Welcome to Church Bruners Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith related. Church Bruners' vision is to accelerate the church in vision, mission, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission. In our communities, Church Bruners hopes to embolden you to fulfill your, the Great Commission beyond your own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church and theology hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and personal growth in Christ. Today, I want to continue what I had done in the first session was to describe and review my visit to Bethel Church in Redding, California. I've written a book called Divergent Theology, which handles and deals with the new apostolic reformation of which Bethel Church in Redding, California is a part. It's clear. It's obvious. The evidence is astounding. Bill Johnson believes, Bill Johnson's the pastor there. He believes um, in the apostolic and prophetic governmental leadership of the church. And uh, that's confirmed on several ways. Uh, most recently, a book by Shayan, um, where he wrote the foreword, which was called Modern Day Apostles, in which Shayan calls Bill Johnson the apostle for Northern California. So, it's clear um, Bill Johnson says he's not really sure what the NAR is, the New Apostolic Reformation, but he is clearly and obviously a part. He's connected to all the people who call themselves apostles and prophets and um, deeply connected with C. Peter Wagner, the founder and who, who the one who coined the term New Apostolic Reformation. We didn't coin the term. Critics didn't coin the term. C. Peter Wagner did, who was a leader and father of the movement, and Bill Johnson is deeply, deeply connected. Uh, C. Peter Wagner has passed on, passed away, but uh, he, Bill Johnson is a teacher and professor at the Wagner Institute, which Shayan now leads and directs. So that's the uh, quick, compact view of what the New Apostolic Reformation is about. And so I, uh, because I... Yeah, have have written this book. People say, well, they, they, they critique me and say, well, you haven't been there, so you can't critique Bethel. You can't critique Bill Johnson. Even though I've read every single one of his books, watched thousands of hours of sermons, um, I continually get that question. Well, you've never been there. You don't know what it's like. So I took the chance to be in the U.S. this time um, on my uh, missionary support raising rounds I live in Germany, so I, I don't have the opportunity just to kind of hop over there and go to Bethel. So uh, this time, while being in the U.S., I took the chance and went. Please have a look at the previous uh, episode, if you can, uh, YouTube or listening uh, on my podcast here, and just have a look and listen to the first section. So I, I did the first section of the service and what it was like. Now I'm about, um, let's say, maybe a little more than a third of the way through through Chris Valaton's sermon. Chris Valaton spoke on that Sunday, and um, basically the, the contents of his sermon were denominationalism is uh, uh, not God's will for the church, but, but we're moving to apostleships. So um, please have a look at that video. I'm picking up kind of right where I left off in, in the timeline of, of uh, my visit there. 
So uh, Bill Johnson uh, was there. Like I said, he was sitting right in the front row and, and um, Chris Valaton was speaking and he was trying to lay out the DNA of their movement and which is apostleships. It's clear as day. He, they believe that the DNA, the leadership of their movement is based on apostles and prophets. He clearly said that on this Sunday that I was there. Um, so uh, like I said, he, he, he sort of diminished the Protestant Reformation because it was a divisive movement. And then, um, um, this is very interesting. Uh, he started talking about denominationalism and it's, uh, they how they create excuses for immoral lifestyles for the purpose of agreeing together. I don't know what he was talking about, where he was getting that from. Um, they stay together, even changing scripture to justify denominationalism. I don't know where he was getting that or what he was referring to. Um, that's a hefty accusation uh, that, that denominations have changed scripture. Um, I can't even think of a, a instance. I mean, if he was talking about a denomination that had their own Bible translation. I don't know of one besides cults. Uh, let's say Mormonism and um, um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, maybe he might be referring to the 1611 Baptists who believe that the uh, 1611 version of the King James Bible is the only authorized version and it corrects the Greek. That may be what he's talking about. I don't know. Um, but that's a hefty accusation. You got to sort of, I mean, he's saying that to his own people. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's not accusing anybody that's there that maybe besides me, I don't know, maybe I'm the only critic who visited on that Sunday, but, uh, yeah, so it's a hefty accusation. Um, yeah, the burden of proof is on him to give an example of how any denomination has changed scripture. Um, Maybe, maybe he's talking about the ESV Bible, which is supposedly the Reformed Bible. I mean, come on. Um, the ESV Bible is, stands above reproach. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. But apparently denominations have changed the scripture. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that. Maybe he means their interpretations of the scripture and how they extrapolate and take this to like, you know, Presbyterians take baptism to mean one thing and Baptists take baptism to mean another thing, you know, I don't know. So in denominationalism, we become the leaders by becoming qualified and you become qualified through education. But he said in, and this is a quote, in the apostolic movement, you become qualified through anointing. So go get anointed in one of these apostolic centers, go to Shea'an's apostolic center, go to Bethel, go to, um, yeah, Kansas city, Go to um, uh, Southern California to Shea'an's uh, Apostolic Center and get yourself anointed. Then you become a leader in the movement. Um, otherwise, seminary just doesn't doesn't cut it. Valentin went on to uh, justify this position by saying that Paul was called to apostleship by his calling, and the logical conclusion is that the calling is the only thing necessary in ministry, not really education. This is really. <laughs> Really bad. I mean, Chris has overlooked everything that Paul was trained in. Paul was, I mean, you look at Paul's list of, of 
education, his qualifications for apostleship. He lays them out himself, but he ends up saying all that to me was rubbish, right? But they build a foundation. Paul was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews of the line of, of Benjamin, um, as a, a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, according to the law, faultless. So not only did he know the law, but he obeyed the law faultlessly. I mean, come on, Paul knew the scriptures, man. I mean, this is this is a very, very bad misrepresentation of Paul and his training, his ability, his knowledge of the scriptures, and then his, uh, you know, I mean, Jesus was with him for, for years in the wilderness, training him and teaching him in the scriptures. <laughs> I mean, no. He was called, of course. Of course he was called to be an apostle. But one of the 12 as well. One of the one untimely born. And the original apostles, there's no more apostles like these men that, have, that can write scripture or on that same level as an apostle. No one. No one's alive who is on that same level because they did not witness the ministry of Jesus Christ personally. You had to witness the years that Jesus ministered in and among them. That's, that was the qualification of an apostle. No person alive today has that qualification. Even Chris himself. He said, like, watch the previous episode, please. Chris himself said, I'm a... Uh, I had a personal experience with Jesus Christ, but he didn't have the personal experience with Jesus Christ walking with him for three years of his public ministry. He did not have that. So he can't be apostle, be an apostle on the same level as Paul and the others. So um, he said that the core of apostleships are rather, let's place the word apostleships with covenants. So this was where it got extra creepy and beyond the pale of christian understanding honestly and then he said i feel like um so he so he introduced the word covenants make apostolic covenants and always with i feel like this i feel like that um it was his mantra throughout um and then also he had this is sort of one of his a lot of preachers have their little little things but his was how many of you know um you know that and that's also sort of like a leading thing interestingly enough in presentation and stuff like that how many of you know it's sort of like um setting people up you you got to know this you know don't, don't you know this how many of you know so it's really interesting he asks that question all the time i feel like and how many of you know um and and, and so then he made, made this statement this was pretty wild too uh, there's the gospel of salvation and there's the gospel of the kingdom jesus didn't preach the gospel of salvation he preached the gospel of the kingdom Wow, and I th I found this interesting because I had I was at the time I was reading the book Modern Day Apostles by Shayan, and uh, this is basically taken word for word out of his book. Uh, I don't know if it's sort of something that, that it's shared among them or if, um, yeah, or if it's Chris's thing and Shay took it from him, but it's almost word for word. Um, Jesus didn't preach the gospel of salvation, however those who did preach him did preach a gospel there is peter preached it the first sermon he preached the gospel of salvation in jesus christ there is no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved saved that's the gospel of salvation 
Now, that the kingdom is coming, sure, but the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, is I, I don't see a kingdom thing. The gospel, the good news, is that we can be saved. There is no other name given among men whereby we can be saved. That's the gospel of salvation. So, um, now many of you need to know the gospel of salvation to get into the kingdom, he said. All right, okay, well, at least there's that. But wait, if Jesus didn't preach the gospel of salvation, why do we need it? <laughs> um, so he's saying Jesus didn't preach the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. If Jesus preached the gospel of, uh, didn't preach the gospel of salvation, what's the, what's the necessity in it? If Jesus didn't preach it, I don't want it, right? So um, Jesus is perfect theology. Um, that's one of their mantras too. Um, if you see it in Jesus, I always ask the question on that whenever I hear that though. Jesus is perfect theology. Well, which Jesus? The Jesus that up, overturned the tables and, and, and called um, the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, or the Jesus that uh, cursed the fig tree, or, um, you know, which Jesus are we talking about? Which one's perfect theology? The one that was peachy keen and happy, flappy, and always healing people and always doing good, or what we perceive as good, or um, the... Jesus that said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. I mean, which one are we, which Jesus is perfect theology? So it's sort of a pick and choose theology. So that, that, that you know, even that, that statement shows that they don't choose the true Jesus. They don't choose the true uh, Jesus to create their perfect theology. They create, they choose their Jesus that makes them feel happy, that makes them, that talks about healing, um, that heals people. Um, that talks about love and blah, 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 and floating on clouds and stuff like that. They haven't chosen the true Jesus of, uh, to, to create their theology. That's, that's my point in that. So Jesus, perfect theology is, is garbage uh, anyways, because they don't choose all the other stories of the crazy, um, and the condemnation that Jesus preached. Um, did, did, did they choose the Jesus where he said, Jesus said about the tower that fell in Siloam and killed 16 people. He talked about that. And um, Jesus then said, do you think those people were more wicked, but repent or you too will perish? Um, that Jesus, are we talking about that Jesus? Is that Jesus the perfect theology or just the Jesus of your own choosing? That's really what it is. Um, so <clears throat> then Chris went on to say, I feel like when you're in denominationalism, you begin to argue over scripture like you're dissecting a frog. Um, yeah. Um, that could be in some sense. Um, but like he said, uh, truth is truth. And he's creating in this, even in this sermon, um, room for people to be all over the map theologically we don't want to dissect frogs here we're not we're not into that so you can just sort of believe whatever you want to believe um or you can make scripture say whatever you want it to say like jesus's perfect theology you just pick and choose the passages of jesus that you like kind of highlight them kind of cross out the other ones that are a little more edgy and too harsh you know um 
we don't want to, we're, we're not dealing with that. That's not the Jesus of perfect theology. So, um, then he went on to describe, this was, this was where it really got bad to describe, um, the scriptures. Uh, people didn't have the scriptures for 1500 years because nobody could read the Bible. Even if there was a Bible, you couldn't read it because you were illiterate. Most of the Bible was passed down word of mouth, person to person, and you know that printing press wasn't invented until 1438. This is the direct, direct quote. <sighs> um, where do we begin here? Um, again, it's incredibly mischaracterizing um, what people had as far as the scriptures. People had the scriptures. I mean, even we, we read of Jesus going to the synagogue and he grabbed the scroll of Isaiah. So they had it. It's, you know, um, not everyone, of course, had a full Bible, but they had these things put to memory. Um, Jews, especially Paul, who he said only had his calling. You know, that's why he was qualified for ministry. Paul had the scriptures put to memory. That's why they could. That's what that's where they had it, you know. They had scrolls. They had them, um, and just in the 1400s, and and, and the and the when the printing press came along, did did it did the masses have it? But people who wanted the scriptures had it. They had access to it. The only logical conclusion that you could draw from what Valentin says here is that the scriptures aren't important for your relationship with God. It's just me and God. The whole they only had the Holy Spirit at that time. They only had the Holy Spirit, um, and so. But this is actually not accurate either because the churches, the early church had had copies of these letters. They had the scriptures and those were accepted. And it's been proven over and over again by, by uh, deconstructionists, people who want to deconstruct the, the, the authority of scripture, that the scriptures were circulated. They were there. People had them. The churches had them. They had the book of Romans. They had them in hand. I mean, this is highly mischaracterized of the time uh, and, of, and of history. And then he said, you only have the Holy Spirit who is leading you into all truth. And typically you didn't, didn't have a copy of scriptures and couldn't read it even if you did because you were illiterate. Uh, also highly mischaracterized. Um, he said, we have 52 translations and, an, and it's only a modern phenomenon the way the scripture is used to divide us. This is again, it's just diminishing. I mean, his, his, his point is obviously, I mean, there are, there is a little bit of truth in that, that, that the scriptures, um, we have these translations and one of them being the passion translation, which their church promotes, which their leadership promotes, um, which is an incredibly error ridden and theologically driven new apostolic translation of the Bible. So he's talking out of two sides of his mouth, first of all, saying that we've got all these translations and they add to the pile by creating this truly, truly error ridden um, uh, translation. And, and so it, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't have one translation, you know, you adding to the pile of these awful translations. And, um, and then he said, this, the scriptures divide us. So, all that to say, he's just trying to erode slowly the, the necessity for the Bible, honestly. And 
you, but you need apostleships. You need apostleships and prophetic leaders, um, and you need to come into covenant relationship with an apostle and a prophet. Um, then he said the Reformation was the first time people could read the Bible for themselves. But uh, Chris fails to say that um, that's correct up until the point the Catholic Church used that fact to their advantage to keep people deceived from the, about the truth. Uh, and they had everything in Latin. Up until that point, unbiblical theologies had developed, actually, and abused and hurt people and confused them as to how they're made right with God. Um, so we're going to stop it with, with that section. Um, I'm going to try to do this in three different uh, sessions. So hopefully you'll stick with, if you're interested, stick with it. Um, and I'll continue to give my review of my time and my visit at Bethel. So thanks for listening to Churchpreneurs Podcast. You can find out more information at my website at richardpmore.net. And I also blog at www.richardpmore.blogspot.com. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at richardpmore23. You can also email us at churchpreneurs at gmail.com. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any comments or questions, please reach out on one of these platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care.